are back with this week's Rogue Table Talks number 96. The weekly uh, installment. The weekly installment. Back better than ever. Uh, or just at least we're back uh, anyway. Uh, and uh, it's possible, although I don't know. If we'll, we'll see how this plays out. But we had one little wave of thunderstorms here this morning. And, uh, you know, we might get a little background uh, background noise uh, later who knows it's gonna nature get a little dark again yeah some nature sounds uh, here as spring is uh, awakening the early flowers are starting to bud uh, it's probably more there yeah right you probably have flowers and such and so on yeah flowers and uh, bugs and green yeah yeah I don't right. we don't have we don't have a lot of bugs yet so we have a little you know, I don't know how long we have until the bugs show up, but uh, um, but I did. I was actually I went for a little walk down in the grounds in Calvary, down by the you know the, the fields in the golf course, and there's that wetland, and you know all the frogs and the toads have have woken up from their winter slumber. You could hear them a croaking away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, spring is coming. It's kind of. Mm kind of fun and uh you know who knows world's changing people are getting vaccinated uh my wife's been vaccinated totally her daughter my daughter just got her first shot um yesterday um so yeah it seems i mean what a weird 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 time we've Uh are living Uh in and through um so yeah that's that's us. That's here. So we might get a little thunderstorm. We might get a little something, uh, something, something. Um, and uh, are you doing there? Getting ramping up for Easter, as we do yep. in the church world. Ramping Stuff happening up for Easter. Yeah. Yeah. Doing. Yeah. yeah. Getting ready for that. Getting. Uh, it's early Easter this year. First week in April. Yeah. 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 So we're actually there's a. <laughs> we'll see. I think we're gonna try to do Good Friday outside if it works. Uh, and try to have a 7.30 Easter morning service outside. And uh, we'll see. I mean, it could that be... might be cold. <laughs> it could be anything, that man. might be cold. <laughs> it could be cold, rain, wind. could be beautiful. We'll see. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think we'll have to... We have the ability to sort of jump shift back inside if, uh, if we need to. But yeah. Gotcha. Yes, we are here. Spring is coming. Um, and we're going to talk about, um, even though it's not, we're not, it's not Palm Sunday week, um, but, uh, it is sort of where we are in the story. Uh, we're gonna talk about the triumphal entry, uh, of Jesus and maybe think of a story kind of movies or where, and a lot of movies are like this, a lot of stories are like this, where you feel like it's going in a certain direction. Um, and then it doesn't turn out that way. Um, you feel like it's going to end at this point, And then that turns out, um, I've done this before. If you're, I don't know if you've ever done this. You're watching a show or a movie and you feel like it's coming to an end or coming to some sort of resolution. And then you check and there's 15 more minutes left or something or 20 more minutes yeah. left. And you're like, Oh, yeah. okay. This is not, this is not how it's going to end. Uh, I don't well, know we, how we it's going to end. Well, we watched a movie the other other day, and I won't say what it was just because I don't want to spoil it for anybody. But it's like one there's there's one you know villain in the story, 
and they're doing bad things and you clearly don't like this person and you're rooting for their demise and then there's introduced another villain and you're rooting for that person and you th- and you think that their their you know vengeance uh, because there's some type of vengeance there is you you think that's how it's going to resolve and and the whole time I'm just expecting okay yeah this first person doing this great evil is gonna you know justice is gonna be upon them and this other villain and then just completely different outcome than i expected i was like wow that one threw me for a loop had no idea yeah yeah i mean it's uh it happens uh it happens a lot in stories and movies but i think that mirrors i mean a lot of times um things don't work out or end or resolve the way we assume they're going to uh, and that's part of, you know, part of real life as well. But, uh, yeah, that's always, I sort of, um, I, I've come to, especially if I'm watching something, I'm streaming something, I just hit the pause button to see how much time is left. I'm like, oh, okay, this is, it's obviously a twist coming. Uh, we got too much time left for, uh, for this to be it. Um, and, uh, that's a, a bit of what's, I think what's happening here with Jesus uh, and, you know, maybe in, in microcosm, this whole life where people have some sort of direction in mind, they have some sort of assumed ending or destination or whatever. And the closer that seems to get, the more excited they are. And then, and then it doesn't happen that way at all. Um, and that's what we see here. Uh, it's John 12, this is the, uh, John 12, 12 through 19. And, um, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem for the last week of his earthly life, basically. Uh, and, you know, for the week leading up to Passover. And as he, he's, he's, uh, he's risen, you know, Lazarus has risen from the dead. He's resurrected him. Mary's anointed him. And then he's coming into uh, Jerusalem. The great crowd is there for the festival. And uh, let me just read the passage. Uh, we'll talk about it. It's John 12, uh, 12 through 19. The next day, the, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as, as it is written. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word, and many people, because they had heard that he had performed performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. (laughs) you know oh geez look at this <laughs> you get the sort of kind of oh, what are we gonna do now it's it's funny because you're thinking like you know when when someone relayed this to john assuming he wasn't in that inner circle with the pharisees maybe it's nicodemus maybe it's some oh and then they said then they said see this is getting us nowhere. Oh, <laughs> come on and then johnny the pharisee was like see jeez nowhere what golly you... guys <laughs> foiled again 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But everyone is getting Jesus at least a little bit wrong, right? Because <laughs> yeah, what true. what is so? Let's talk about the crowd. So what what are they doing? You know, what's the palm branches and the hosanna and the blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and blessed is the King of Israel? What's what is all that that's going on? Parse that out for us a little bit. Yeah, yeah. As, as far as I understand it, um, the the quote from Zechariah, don't be afraid, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. I, I think it's Zechariah. Um, yeah, 9-9, nine, nine, that's right. This expectation of uh, the king from the line of David, um, the Messiah means anointed one. So if we can take all of our spiritual connotation out of it, it's not that it's not spiritual, but we tend to just think one thing about Messiah, but they would have probably thought less spiritual and more the one who's from the lineage of David to be a king like David to restore Israel to power. And they're expecting that this is the, he's coming to the capital. He's coming to Jerusalem. Um, he's, it's kind of like Lord, we quote Lord of the Rings all the time, but the return of the king, he's coming to, to take his throne and mm-hmm. this is it. And so they're laying down palm branches, um, worship and, um, you know, with that type of expectation. Yeah, they're, um, they see him as, uh, the king who, and then, and they're not wrong about that. Right. Uh, you know, Jesus is fulfilling this prophecy. It's just not, it's just not like, not in the way that, that they're expecting. They're expecting to be free of Rome. They're expecting to have their country back. To They're expecting to be back and, you know, f- to be free, to be liberated, uh, to, you know, no longer be an oppressed people and um, to have a king uh, like David. Like you said, David was, I mean, that's, the, that's as golden age as it gets you know, for Israel, and, you know, they have this prophecy in mind, it seems, Um, because blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord is, um, you know, that's a psalm, uh, Mm -hmm. Psalm 118, uh, and, you know, they seem to be, uh, you know, blessed is the king of Israel. I mean, they just say it. Um, so it's not like we have to parse out what they really think. And here's the king. Here's here's our guy. And with the king is, yeah, a return to our glory days. Um, and in in all of the, it, you know, it's an, or all of the nationalistic sort of ways that they had in mind. Um, it was less, I mean, it was a spiritual of a thing, but it's more a national thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to say make Israel great again, uh, <laughs> Micah, so I won't, but it's sort of that. I mean, it's sort of... Well, that would be a really funny <laughs> parody of that Red Micah hats. Be, uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. Have yeah. you seen the new Jesus film? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, but it's that sort of our national pride, our national identity. This is the ending we have written. Like, and it's not just it's the it's the expectation of what God was going to do all along. So it's not even just, you know, it's culminating in this expectation of Jesus. But it's like you're talking about that movie, like the whole story gives you this feeling that of what's going to happen. And probably they just grew up assuming that when the Messiah comes, this is what it's going to look like. We're going to have our country back. We're going to be great again. You know, we'll be strong. We'll, you know, all of this stuff. We'll be able to sort of celebrate our own uh, national identity. Uh, and that's not what Jesus was doing. Uh, I mean, yeah. it was, it, it, you know, in a way, in a way, it's what he ends up doing, but in a completely different way. Well, it's, 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 it's higher than their expectations, and it subverts, you know, yeah. the ground level of what they think. You know, yeah, be because Jesus has, sim- yeah, I was gonna say, he has much more in mind than simply returning to the days of David, yeah. right? Yeah, it, it, all of it's, like you said, all of it's true. This liberation, this throne of david this reign like all of that is true it's just not in the way that they expected it and it's bigger than they expected and it subverts it disappoints so to speak it's for them it's disappointing their messiah doesn't die so that's a devastating blow to their constructs uh and to be somewhat sympathetic too they there is a theological aspect to the expectation of the king because he needs to restore proper worship. There's no prophet. There's no priest. They don't know, like, the spirit of God has not returned to the temple since uh, the glory departed in Ezekiel. So there's another, like, zeal here for if this is the king, then we can be theologically in good standing with God. And there's part of that driving because it's because they can't they didn't separate their nationality, uh, national um, identity from their theological identity where nations today, you know, do and probably should. But the, they didn't. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you can kind of sympathize with them. Like, yeah, I could see where this is what Jesus needs to do. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, the you know all of these prophecy, and that's sort of the tricky business of of the messianic prophecies in the Old Testament is that there are two comings of the King. Hmm. There's this one, and then there's another one when there will be, you know, there will be a different sort of uh, a, a less meek approach, you know, when Jesus returns, uh, the return that is still you know in our future. Uh, and so sometimes in the Old Testament, those things are talked about close together in a, in a passage of Scripture where they wouldn't have, if we were them, we wouldn't have been smart enough to parse out that there were two and that, you know, this is going to be different. And, and you know, they're, they were bound to get it wrong to some degree. And, and that's kind of one of the things that I want to say and point out is that everyone gets it wrong to some degree because, you know, you get this, the crowd is palm branches and Hosanna and blessed is he who comes in the Lord and blesses the King of Israel. And Jesus has us on a donkey in fulfilling, you know, uh, Zechariah, 
at nine that your king is coming on a donkey's colt. So he is coming as the king. They just sort of misunderstand what's going on. The disciples, it's it's not said in this passage exactly what their misunderstanding was, but it's probably tends towards the direction of the crowd. Uh, it says, you know, verse 16, at first his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified that they realized that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. So it's, a, it's, it's, it's hard to say exactly what John is saying for sure. Obviously, he's one of the disciples here, so he's speaking about his own understanding as well, is that it seems kind of like he's saying, yeah, we kind of understood, but we didn't really understand. And it was only until we, you know, until the story went in a different direction and we saw something new, we went, oh, okay, that's what that meant, right? Uh, and so... It, you know, in a sense, they're getting it wrong. And of course, the Pharisees are, in a sense, like the king who's going to come and free us. This guy's not it. In, in a sense, they were right about that. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had that part right. Yeah, they were like, the, you're right. <laughs> I mean, that... What this crowd expects is not going to happen. This is not gonna, the guy who's going to do what the crowd expects is actually a true thing that the Pharisees are, um, you know, saying here. But they have Jesus cast as the villain, of course, as the, you know, the wolf in sheep's clothing, the you know, the deceiver, the something, whatever, and the woman who is going to actually usurp them as, you know. The, the leaders of Israel, of you know, the, the spiritual leaders. So, you know, they have, in a sense, of course, completely misunderstand Jesus, but they sort of get part of it right, that the crowd is getting wrong. And so everyone is sort of missing it. Everyone's sort of missing it. It's just a matter of, you know, how many, you know, uh, or, you know how much you're missing it by and where you're missing it in some, uh, some degree. Um, Everyone, you know, the king that the king that the people wanted isn't the king they're really getting here. The savior they want isn't really the savior they're getting here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was better. You know, what they're really getting is better. It just doesn't always seem that way. And I just wonder, like, where are we in that? Like, we have way more perspective now and knowledge, but isn't it? isn't it pretty safe to say that we're like them and that we're getting part of this wrong probably. And the, that Jesus of my expectations and the Jesus of, of the reality aren't going to be exactly the same. I think that's, I mean, I don't know if this is accurate, um, but it feels something like they had an initial under theological understanding of who God was and what Messiah was coming to do. Similarly, I think we have the whole text in front of us um, and tradition and history, and we can understand. We have pretty in the realm of that's theologically accurate of Jesus died. Our sins can be forgiven. We trust in him. 
that he gives us the spirit that you know all of these things like yeah we believe those things to be true but i wonder if it's all almost like you said it's like yeah we have those concepts and those are true and we get that and that is true about god but the way it plays out in our expectations of him is often very different than we um, initially expect the way that he works in our everyday life and if this is god then he needs to do this well we, we have the initial kind of concept probably close to accurate it's just the way it comes to the way the story unfolds in our own life is usually where i think we get it uh, a little wrong and and we all have our theology is probably a little bit off because there's so many different you know orthodox interpretations of baptism and um conversion and all these things mm-hmm. um so we can't be totally right there and then i think how it plays out is where we get um i think because we're darkened by the fall we just don't see very well and so we, yeah. we misunderstand or we yeah. think we see and that's the problem yeah yeah that's it's the that's the thing is we want to say no i get it i understand to a certain extent we get it but the what the way we get it, I think, is this sense that, you know, truth is revealed to us by the Spirit, and God gives us the ability to understand. Uh, and even there, it's going to be incomplete. And even there, beca- and so that's partly just my finitude, but then there's the, I'm also fallen. I have, I'm not disinterested. I'm not just watching a movie to see how, the people who made the movie are going to end it. Like I'm in the movie. So I have an interest in, you know, I have a, I'm I'm motivated for a certain ending with respect to me. That's probably good in my mind, whatever that is. Uh, And I'm probably, I'm going to be getting that wrong. Probably I'm going to be disappointed. And probably I would say I'm going to be just kind of more like the crowd or the disciples where I'm getting part of it right, but I'm, 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 I'm not, I'm, I'm underselling it. I'm, you know, like Jesus actually probably wants to do, he wants to bless me way more than I would end up blessing. I would end up settling for, you know, some set of blessings that is way smaller than what I'm ultimately going to get. Mm-hmm. But my ultimate blessing is a little farther down the road and it's going to involve pain between here and there. And I don't want pain. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I'm going to write a story where pain doesn't fit in the story. Um, and I think, I, I think we're kind of always in some of this state where the crowd, the disciples, the Pharisees are in. It's just a matter of degree and uh, degree and our uh i don't know certainty or our fixedness in what we insist the story must be right yeah yeah i mean it's one thing to say i think i'm you know it's one thing to say i'm going to get the story a little bit wrong uh and be open to whatever you know god has for me and and you know that's the, the openness is different from some theoretical yeah obviously we don't know everything as opposed to some fixed expectation that we must get or must have. 
And that's the part that I think gets us stuck uh, in our life. Uh, and, you know, kind of want to draw this out into spiritual growth or spiritual transformation that um, some degree of struggling through what I'm getting wrong or what I misunderstand is sort of necessary for, for spiritual growth. Um, and for, it's not what we, it's not what we want, you know? Um, so, well, I think, you know, this, I think that's true. Ahead. I think there's like, you've heard people talk about, uh, you know, crisis of faith. I don't know if it's a phrase that's, you know, used a lot right now, but I do think because we grow up so sure, if we grow up so sure of what we believe and so sure of who we are and who God is and so sure of the bargain, so to speak, that we've struck with God and how it's supposed to work out, then it's um, whether it happens, you know, I don't know, causality, but I do think God often brings a crisis of faith our way to help us um, grow deeper to help us understand um, we, we didn't have him completely figured out. We didn't have the sides, um, who's right, who's wrong, who's in, who's out, um, completely figured out. Uh, and I think we, we usually don't welcome those when they happen. We may not know what's, what's going on when, when we're in the middle of it, but on the other yeah. side of it, we can usually look back and say, well, I wouldn't have chose that, but I wouldn't choose to go backwards now. Um, I, I'm grateful for what that crisis uh, brought me. And I think for some people, myself included, we, we have to go through that crisis of faith to get to the place of humility and mm -hmm. I, I don't have this all figured out. I think of Peter. Peter's a great example of he just seems so confident of who he was, how the Messiah was supposed to do this. You know, you you can't go die. That's that that's not the story. This this is not um, how I see the the film playing out. And then I don't know how long. Let's say Peter's twenties, thirty forty years. He gets he gets humility. You know, First Peter mm -hmm. five, humble yourself. It mm -hmm. takes a long time for his shortness of who he was and who God was to come to a place of humility and openness. So, yeah, um, I, you know, I would probably, I don't think it's too sweeping a statement to say that's how spiritual growth always works. It's some reevaluation of something we were misunderstanding that it's, Oh, there's actually a little bit bigger picture here. Uh, there's some, there's some, some things that I understood a certain way that was were right in a set in a sort of th theological sense, but also I was getting it was getting it wrong, uh, and um, that's where like there's a level at which we can be theologically right, but not exactly you know applying it to us, and you know the, the arc of Peter, the arc of the disciples, um, that you know later on. Oh, later on. Yeah. Oh, oh, that in a sense being open to this evaluation or reevaluation or reinterpretation or reapplication of these truths to our life is, it, you know, it's almost, I don't think it's too strong to say 
you know, more than that's necessary for spiritual growth, but that's almost what spiritual growth is. It's usually not some added knowledge. It's usually some reapplication in a new way of something we, oh, okay, I understand the story a little bit better now. And that changes the meaning of everything because the disciples when they get to that point farther down the store, they don't just reevaluate this day. They see everything, right, in a new light. Uh, and, you know, I would kind of say that kind of sounds like what spiritual growth really is. It's this sort of you gain humility. Oh, you gain perspective. I didn't, it wasn't that simple. Um, mm-hmm. Whatever. Uh, and remaining in the state of confusion is sometimes how we get stuck spiritually that we're unwilling to reevaluate or unwilling to abandon our initial interpretation. I don't know. What do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, I I do think that it's not just necessary. It is spiritual growth. And yeah, yeah, I I think it's very gracious of God left to our own devices when we're in that first part of uh, a heart and mind posture we may not know it but we're, we're probably pretty unbearable to be around <laughs> yeah um, you know yeah. and so we we have to grow to uh, to maturity and I think God gives us all different forms of opportunity. Um, But we have those opportunities. I'm thinking of even like Saul, the conversion of Saul, he was completely, and that's a good apologetic even for if you um, struggle to uh, see faith as having, you know, ground to stand on. Saul wasn't questioning. He wasn't asking. He was, he wasn't seeking. Yeah, he had God figured out. He was on the right side. Mm-hmm. And I'm certain that I'm right and everyone else is wrong. He was one wrong. of the Pharisees, yeah. One of the Pharisees. And I'm so much so, I'm willing to kill people for this. Yeah. I'm I'm on God's side. And then for him to experience a crisis and to trust that Jesus is the Messiah and the, the new revelation of where God is headed, um, that's a to me, that's a very significant uh, thing, but but there's another point there of um, not not simply spiritual maturity, but conversion, mm-hmm. conversion and maturity. Um, mm-hmm. I think Paul was a deeply spiritual person before that, but um, lost. Yeah, no, I like that. There's so there's a continuous line between conversion and maturity. That maturity is the same sort of reevaluation. It's just at a at a different level. There's one point at which we cross over, abandon our old story and, you know, jump into the new story or the the reality that we're living in this new story that we need grace and, you know, that God offers it in Christ and so on. And then, you know, every step along the way, there's a re, oh, okay. So now I have to think of this differently. Oh, okay. So now I'm understanding this differently. Um, And if not, then we, what we'll end up rejecting, you know, or, or living distant from the true Christ because we're, we insist on our own story. And I, you know, that this, there's a, in Matthew during this time. So it's after, you know, this last week of his life, he, he comes in 
uh, in rides in, you know, this triumphal entry that he's, he's there for this last week in Jerusalem until he's, you know, arrested and killed and, and arises again. Uh, and in, at the end of Matthew 23, um, uh, Jesus says, starting at verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house has left you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, and so he's he's referring again to Zechariah, uh, or, or, or rather the Psalms. He's referring to few days prior in this case when he was riding in and he's referring it into this lament of um yeah you're getting it wrong you know you're you're sticking to your story and you know i would have gathered you together but you kind of insist on your interpretation of who i am and what this is and what we're about and so uh, you would not have it. You don't, you won't have me on those terms. And then he makes this kind of an enigmatic statement. You won't see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Um, one day everyone will recognize me as king. I think that's part of what he's saying. And there's sort of a lament or a sadness to those who don't recognize me as king before that day. There's a sadness. There's a rejection and it all is bound up in your, he just won't let go of your story. What do you think of that? Yeah. Um, I think, I think that's, I think God still grieves. Um, yeah. We don't let go of our story. And God's not a God who just forces us to do things and makes us get it. And I think he, He's a respectful, so to speak, God who invites us, speaks to us, allures us, um, you know, um, but I think he grieves. It's like a, it's like a parent. It's like, I say this is, and it's, it's similar to, as in it's infinitely also more different, mm-hmm. um, having a, a body of knowledge and experience and watching their child, um, you know, be so stuck in their story or, you know, limited knowledge and experience, but stubbornly committing to it, even though they're obviously Mm -hmm. wrong or going to hurt themselves. And it grieves the parent. And I think it still grieves God when we, um, there's a lament there from God. Yeah. 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 So it's, yeah. I mean, there's, and that's sort of, like we're all sort of in that boat. I mean, there's a, there's various levels of getting it wrong, various levels of clinging to our story. Even those of us who have accepted Christ, the grace given to us by God in Christ, have the Holy Spirit. We all, you know, we're still, there's still some lament of, man, I wish you'd let go of that. You're only, you're hurting yourself. You're denying yourself some ultimate blessing. Um, but, in order to get that ultimate blessing, you have to subvert your expectations of what, what's going on. And so that's sort of, I mean, I guess we, as we're coming up on Easter, um, that's the, uh, 
you know, the challenge I think for us is what am I misunderstanding? What, what do I need a deeper understanding of? What do I need to let go of? Um, what am I too settled in? You know, you know, do I have a make my life great again view of God? That's just, you know, he's going to come riding in and fix everything in my life and, and whatever. Um, or do I embrace this, you know, path of kind of humility and growth and then pain and hardship that is going to be part of this process when we're in this part of the story uh, to fully grab on to, you know, when he comes as king in the future, there will be no mistaking. Uh, you know, all the mystery will be, will be wrung out of it. Uh, and and the, the trick is, that's who he is now. And the more I can see him in that way now, the more I'm going to stay in this part of the story, even though it's not, I'm not fully capable of doing that. But, you know, can I worship him, the risen one this Easter season as the king, the king who is coming and who is the king uh, now? Uh, and right now, he offers us grace and peace. And so with that, uh, I wish you all a great week. Grace and peace. Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks, a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.